yesterday I met one of my spiritual children, uh, or, or you know, my brothers and sisters, um, and he uh, was telling me about a conflict he had with someone else, and he was telling me that he abused, he used the authority that he had to sideline that person, and I just flat out rebuked him and told him what you did was wrong. You, God put you in a position of authority and rather than use that authority to do the will of God, use that authority to sideline somebody just because you're annoyed with them. He said, well, it's more than annoyed. You know, I don't think their judgment is in the right place. I don't think they have all the right information and so on. I'm like, there are remedies for someone who doesn't have the correct information. Give them the right information. Anyways, and he was still kind of like not... So, so I told him, like, look, that's exactly what David did with Uriah when he wanted to marry Bathsheba, right? This woman who was married. He took her husband and put him in the front lines, being the commander-in-chief of the armies of Israel. He put him in the front lines so he can go and die in battle and he can go marry this, marry this, this woman that he had slept with, right? He was like, no, it's not like that. I was like, how's it any different? God gave him authority to be the commander of the armies of Israel, and he misused it, right? God put you in a position of authority to do this and so on. Anyways, you all know me. I'm like Mr. Nice Guy. It wasn't easy for me to say this. Anyways, I was driving home, and uh, honestly, honestly, I tell you the truth, I started to cry. And I started to remember all the times that I didn't use the authority that God gave me in a right way. Anyways, I texted him today, and uh, he texted me today and told me, thank, thank you for being honest with me. I texted him back and told him, I'm sorry if I was harsh. I didn't mean to be harsh. I meant to be honest and not to, not to accept, you know, anything that's wrong because I really want you to be the very best, you know, servant in the whole wide world. He replied back to me and said, with all humility, said, even if you weren't harsh, but even if you were, like, you're my spiritual father, and if, if you're not going to teach me, who will? His, he, has, he has, his parents are absent, he has, he has no, like, no one else. And really, that just made me, that just made me cry again, you know, at how humble, how humble um, this young, this young man is, to learn from someone who's not, like, any better than him, for sure. What do we do about these burdens? The first thing I have to put clear in my mind, I promise you, and this isn't as a cop-out, this is really just to be very honest. If this is not my business, I'm going to hurt myself trying to deal with it. I can't do anything myself. John 14, 14 says, if you ask my father anything in my name, he will do it for you. John 15, 6, like not even like, you know, 10, 20 verses later, says, you can do nothing without me, where Jesus is talking about abiding. So the first step when I find a burden is to ask God, am I supposed to be here? Like, is this my, is this my circus? Is this my monkey? Is this my business? Right? Or am I supposed to say a prayer, Lord, help this person and carry on on my merry way? If God, if I feel that this is where I'm supposed to be. If you don't know, ask somebody who can help you discern. Get some spiritual guidance, read scripture, 
you know, the other, those, all those ways to discern the will of God, and we can talk about that in one of these talks. If, if you feel this is, this, is, this is my business, there's nothing that's going to fuel prayer more than suffering. S- suffering. So, incarnational ministry, that means like not serving people from the top, right? But joining them where they are in the muck and mire and mud and, and poop that they're, that they're treading through, knee high, you know, hip high, you know, some people are drowning in it, right? Allowing myself to enter into their suffering will fuel my prayer like nothing else. Comma, it's not the end of the sentence, up to a certain point, period. Because if I allow it to crush me, then I won't be able to do anything either, right? And again, 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 I remind myself, I am in no ways any more holy, competent, smart, intelligent, resourceful than the person who's struggling. I'm not. I know that, right? Yes. لما بتاخد الاعتراف مش بتكون ابونا بس بيبقى في ابونا وفي الروح القدس فيك عشان تنطق على لسانك توسط نجي البني ادم ممكن اترجم؟ يس سوري نو 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 سو انتي جورجيت از سينج ذات وين يور وين فاذر جون دونت فورجيت وين يور هيرينج كونفيشنز اتس نوت يو هو از ذير ات از ذا هولي سبيريت هو از ذير تو اوفر healing and guidance and advice to each person. Yes, I'm not talking about the context of confession because I'm not talking to a, a, an audience of priests and priestesses. In a certain sense, yes, we are all share in the priesthood of Christ, but I'm, I'm talking just, I'm talking about in ministry, right? Um, so I have to keep that very clear in my eyes. I'm not going to do anything to help this person. It's highly unlikely that I'm going to do something physical and practical to help this person, number one. Number two, service is using divine resources to meet people's needs in love. Divine resources, not mine. Not my credit card, not my... Sometimes God will tell me, no, use your credit card. Fine, okay. But we're looking to God to provide for His people, not for superhero John to provide for His people. God knows I need to get out of the superhero costume. As good as I look in tights and, you know, red boots, right? Like, you know, I need, to, I need to get out of the superhero costume and realize I can't do, I really can't, I can't, I can't do anything, right? But God can. Now, if I'm convinced that God can, and I feel the burden of these people, I will pray like, like, no, like no tomorrow. I will sit with God and I will pray, and I'll pray something like this. God, you cannot deny me my request. You promised to help. You promised, and I will be insistent. I will be the guy who gets a visitor in the middle of the night, and he goes and he has nothing to offer him, and he goes to his neighbor, who's probably his cousin or his brother or his close relative, and tells him, give me some bread, give me something to offer. This traveler, because it's a shame, it's shameful that we have nothing to offer him. And he tells him, uh, get lost, I'm tired, I'm sleeping, I'm already in, tucked in bed with my kids, I'm not going to wake the whole family up so I can get you something, right? And he, he keeps knocking at his door until he gets 
an answer, right? But even that, even that in the measure, in the measure of what I'm able to do, right? I know people, I know people who spend 8, 10, 12, 14 hours a day praying for other people. I'm not that person. Okay, that's not the guy I see in the mirror, right? Trying to be that person because the burden that I have encountered is so deep and is so heavy on my heart. It's like me, it's like me trying to be Lance Armstrong tomorrow morning, right? It's going to kill me, exactly like you said, right? So we have to be cognizant of, of like our role, our place, and our abilities. And all of this, all of this is to fuel prayer, is to fuel asking God to do something, to work, to work something, to work a miracle, right? And then I retreat back into my little circle, which is just me and Jesus. Once I've exhausted my ability to pray, once I've exhausted my, or my role, like my role was, you know, to, to accompany this person this far. Maybe my role was not to accompany them for the entire journey. Maybe my role was to accompany them only part way. And you'll say, well, in your story of Joe that you said, Abuna, maybe your job was only to accompany them part way. No, I know that I, I know that I gave up because I didn't like this guy anymore because he was abusing me, right? And then we need to talk uh, maybe another time about boundaries and abuse and all of that. We shouldn't tolerate abuse in service either. It's a different topic. Mark, you had your hand up. Yeah, I just wanted to like, ask you to repeat the story that Father Roberto told us in the retreat one time about the reverse pyramid and Jesus. I think it's like in that context as well of how much we can carry. And Jesus who is the one who carried all the pyramid by himself. Because like, sometimes also, like, as Fadi was saying, there's like, a different point in the topic. But also, like, I need to be in, in, in peaceful spirit and in love spirit, with the, at least with the person I'm serving, so I can deliver and have this environment of like or realm of peace and love so other people even can feel that presence mm. like and Jesus tells them like by, by loving one another they will know that you are my disciple mm. so if I don't have peace with the person I'm serving with and if the person I'm serving with or myself being difficult because I'm also difficult like right like to some degree and maybe the I can see the difficult of our other person it irritates my my anger within me because I'm also difficult so I, I don't know how to in a practical way we can also draw the line there and just like you know this is how we do it I know it's discernment and practice and all of that but in practical like a practical way how we can how we can achieve this like so I'll, I'll share just a couple of things and then we want to be sure to have some time to pray um, uh, one thing is uh, what Mark was talking about about the reverse pyramid so there's a concept now in, in the leadership world in the business world which has just exploded maybe in the last uh, you know, five to ten years or so, um, called servant leadership, and it's entirely based on John 13, Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. The idea is is that if you care deeply for a small group of people and invest in them and empower them and, and inspire them to care for others, they will care for those. Right. So, as a CEO of a major organization. You know, you need to deeply invest in your whatever VPs, and they will invest in their directors, and their, their, their directors will invest in their managers, right? But you can't carry all 50,000 people in the organization yourself, right? So 
um, if you stop to, to care deeply about a small number of people rather than caring just a little bit about a large number of people um, uh, and really like see what their re relevant needs are and try to fulfill them so that they can be the best that they can be. So this is a, you know, a concept which has moved into secular culture, but is obviously is how leadership is understood, or should be, or supposed to be understood in the church. It's a bottom-down, bottom, upside-down pyramid, right? Where there's one person carrying you know, 12 who are carrying, 500 who are carrying, and so on, right? Um, and that's why uh, uh, anybody who has been put, I've asked to take a position of leadership or a position of supervision or a managerial role in the church here, I've asked them, please, uh, you know, please supervise these three ministries led by these three people. That means that you care deeply about those three people. You know, the success of the service comes second. The well-being of those people comes first, Right? Care about them. See, what do they need to be the very best that they can be? Pray for them every single time you pray. That's what I expect from people in a position of leadership who, in ministry. If you are caring for other, other people who are serving, I expect you to pray for those people every single time you pray. In under two weeks, you should know those people's names off by heart. Because you pray, like, how many times do you pray? You pray in the morning, you pray before every meal, you pray at night, so we're like four or five times a day. Four or five times a day, you're going to say, Lord, please take care of Sue, Eugenia, Marlon, Murray, Monica, Phil, Ashley, right? You write their names down in alphabetical order or whatever order you want, right? By the end of a couple of weeks, you're going to know their names off by heart. You're not going to need the list anymore, right? And the magical thing that happens when you do that and it's, it's completely magical. The two or three or four or five or six or eight of those people that are incredibly irritating to you, they start to love you. Not you start to love them. And this is entirely from my personal experience. I haven't read this in a book. I haven't, uh, I have, I've, but I've experienced it repeatedly time and time and time and time and time and time again. So I could be completely wrong. It could be whatever. I have no reference. Um, please take it with a, a very big grain of salt. Everything that I share and that I teach is researched and referenced and so on, unless I say so. This is not. This is just, so just take it for what it's worth. They start to love you. Now, I'm really irritated with Fedi, and Fedi loves me deeply. What happens to me? I know, eh? I know, it's tough. It's a tough day for you, Fetty. Right? Right? What, what, hap what, what, what happens? I start to feel like an ant. I start to feel so, so small in front of Fetty. Fetty is like a towering giant, and I feel like I belong down here. What happens when I belong down here? I wash his feet. It works every single time, like a silver bullet. It requires about 20 seconds of your time and a little bit of mindfulness. Just a little bit of mindfulness. Make a list, write it down, whatever you like to do. I write people's names in, uh, in, 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 in alphabetical order. That way I can pray for Mark Irkus, Mark Irkus, Mark Irkus, Fedi, 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 right? Makes it easier for me, right? Poor Fedi, every time I give an example. Poor guy, right? Um, that's what I do, but you do whatever you want, right? 
It works every single time. But there's no, no one is ever going to respect you because they have to. I promise you that. As a kid, I was always awed by how my, my dad commands respect. Like he walks into a room, people respect him. They don't even know him. They respect him. So I'd ask him, why, I'll finish with this, last story. Why, how do you get people to respect you? He told me, people will only respect you if you respect yourself. And people will only respect you in church, in a church context, if they love you. And people will love you if you love them first, like Jesus loved us, like Jesus loved us first. If you find some people difficult to love, don't love them. Pray for them. They will love you. And then you'll feel like an ant. Because before God, you're saying, God, I don't know what to do with this person. I can't handle them. I just can't handle them. And now that person is calling me, asking about me, seeing what my needs are, seeing what, what, how they can serve me. And then I feel like a worm. And I'm now, I'm, now I'm in the right place to start serving this person. Because before, I was trying to serve them from the top. You know? And their feet were a little far for me to reach while I was up there. Right? But now that I'm, now that I'm where I'm supposed to be, their feet are easy to reach. Right? So, maybe we'll leave off with... Uh, Just one, one with last question. The model you gave, which somebody hands you a burden, and a few of them, and then you toss them, send them to God. The other churches, other than the Coptic and the Catholic Church, that person, instead of sending his burden to you, and you toss it to God, they tell him, you take your person directly. They have a more direct route. Why is the Coptic and Catholic Church, why don't they have this direct route? You know, you have a, you know, uh, um, Marlin has a problem, she can go, go put it to God directly. So the, the, the question, if I can summarize Auntie Sue's question, is in the, in, the, in the apostolic churches, the Orthodox Church, Catholic Church, and so on, if um, someone has a burden, they bring it to the priest, and the priest prays for them and puts it before God. Whereas in the non-apostolic churches, if you have a burden, you just give it to God directly. Isn't that a more direct route? Wouldn't that work? Wouldn't that, couldn't that be more direct or, or better in some sense? In the apostolic churches, we have both. So as, a, as a, a member of the body of Christ, as a congregant, you know, you, you, you will, it will never work for one to rely in, only and entirely on the priest or on the church, on the parish. You know, however, honestly, I tell you the truth, I didn't learn the real meaning of fellowship and how to love my brothers and sisters and how to pray for them specifically growing up in the church. I learned it from my friends who were from all kinds of different denominations in school, in college. One day, I learned it. This story is like the, was really what really taught me what, what it meant to, to pray 
and for others and carry their burdens. And in so doing, fulfill the law of Christ, like it says in Galatians chapter 6, a verse that Mina reminds me of all the time. Uh, bear each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, Galatians chapter 6. Right? Um, one day I was having a really bad day and uh, I was having, I think I was having girlfriend trouble and uh, I walked into our, we had like a little room that the college had given us. So I walked into, uh, into that room and I just kind of sat down uh, and I just kind of sat quietly and I've been kind of like, like happy and boisterous and bubbly and positive all my life. So um, one of my friends, his name is Mike, saw me, that's his real name. Uh, saw me. I'm not lying this time. And uh, he uh, told me, John, what's wrong? Uh, and I said, nothing. And he said, no, no, something's wrong. Like, yeah, I don't really want to talk about it. So he just very quietly and gently, he was our worship leader, he just quietly and gen very gently got up and just tilted the door, you know, uh, slightly ajar, and turned the lights off. There was a window, so there was a little bit of light coming in there. And picked up his guitar and he just started a worship song. Everybody started singing. And then people just prayed for me, one after the other after the other. And I literally felt like, I literally felt like these people were just carrying me to God. Like I didn't have strength in that moment to pray for myself. So they prayed for me. They carried me to God. Because I didn't have strength to carry, to lift my own heart to God. So they lifted my heart to God for me. I felt like I was just... I don't know if you've ever been like in the ocean, you're floating on a wave, you know, like the, and you, so the waves come and the waves lift you, you know, and you kind of go up with them, and then you go back down, you go up with them, right? So each one of their prayers was lifting me. So, um, so that's where I understood what it meant to pray for other people, oftentimes what we call intercession, right? So intercession is not to stand between somebody and God but rather to carry that person to God. Another time, uh, Father Peshoy Kamel asked uh, a servant to try to serve a youth. Kind of like my Joe story, right? Except the servant went back to Abuna and told him, Abuna, I don't know what to do with this guy. I've visited him, I've called him, I've met him outside the church. Nothing I do can bring this guy into the church. I can't get him to come into the church, to just cross that threshold. And I want to give up. Well, the Peshoi told him, why? Why are you going to give up? He said, because I can't bring him to God. No matter what I do, I can't bring him to God. He goes, do you pray for him? He said, yeah. He goes, know that every time you mention his name in God's presence, it's like you're taking God by the scruff of his shirt and you're bringing him into the face of that person. And you're saying, God, deal with it. <laughs> taking God by the scruff of his shirt and telling God, deal with it. Right? So why? Why, do you, why are you bothered? You're successful. You're doing what you wanted to bring him to God. You brought God to him. So why, why are you upset? Right? So, but where, did, where did we start with this? Yes, intercession. Right? So we pray, when we pray for people, that's all we're doing. The priest is no different than any other congregant, except that he has one other tool in his armamentarium of prayer, and that's the altar. Right? So that's, that's the only difference, right? He has one tool in his, in his armamentarium, and that's confession. This like seven mysteries or sacraments, whatever you want to call them, that are, you know, like the priest has a role in them that, the, you know, that's different from the role of 
of his role as a normal congregation member. But other than those, like other than those seven sacraments, I'm just like you. I'm not any different, any better, any worse than you. So oftentimes when you say pray for me, I say, and you please also pray for me, right? So I'm not expecting you to pray for me at the altar because that's like, that's my job. But I'm expecting you to pray for me at home and so on when I ask you and when you ask me the same, right? I don't know if that brings in. And Jesus says that our God is not the God of the living, uh, God of the dead, but the God of the living. He's the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Namely that the people who have, the people who have passed on, now talking about the saints, they're alive as well. So I can ask for the prayers of my brothers and sisters in the flesh. I can ask for the prayers of my brothers and sisters who have passed on. I can ask for the prayers of a priest. So those are all people I'm asking to pray for me. But my asking, uh, but my prayer should not, in no ways, be kind of funneled in through one person. There's no way in the universe I will be able to 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 pray for the entire city of Toronto all by myself, right? So God is expecting you all to pray as well, which is what the, the priesthood of every believer is. Maybe we'll talk about that another time. God bless you. I love you all very, very much. Let's stand and pray.